Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. And you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be visiting with Byron Donalds. He's candidate for Congress in uh, District 19. In fact, there was a tweet by President Trump yesterday. He said, Byron Donalds will be a phenomenal congressman for the people of Florida. He strongly supports our brave law enforcement, school choice, military vets, and Second Amendment Byron is a rising star. He has my complete and total endorsement from President Trump. So Byron's going to be on the show here uh, uh, this morning. We'll also visit with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat, and Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is uh, September the 11th, and how could we forget on this day in 2001 at 8.45 a.m. on a clear Tuesday morning. Do you remember where you were? I certainly do. An American Airlines Boeing 767 loaded with 20,000 gallons of jet fuel crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. The impact left a gaping, burning hole in the 80th floor of the 110-story skyscraper, instantly killing hundreds of people and trapping hundreds more in higher floors. As the evacuation of the tower and its twin got underway, television cameras broadcasted live images of what initially appeared to be a freak accident. Then, 18 minutes after the first plane hit, a second Boeing 767, United Airlines Flight 175, appeared out of the sky, turning sharply towards the World Trade Center and sliced into the South Tower at about the 60th floor. The collision uh, caused a massive explosion that showered burning debris over surrounding buildings and the streets below. America was under attack, for sure. The attackers were Islamic terrorists from Saudi Arabia and several other Arab nations, reportedly financed by Saudi fugitive Osama bin Laden, al-Qaeda's terrorist organization. They were allegedly acting in retaliation for America's support of Israel in its involvement with the Persian War and its continued military presence in the Middle East. Some of the terrorists had lived in the United States for more than a year and taken flying lessons at the American Commercial Flight Schools. In fact, I talked to one of the owners of the schools, who I think now has been out of business. Others had slipped into the U.S. in months before uh, uh, September 11th and acted as the quote-unquote muscle in the operation. The 19 terrorists easily smuggled box cutters and knives through security at uh, three East Coast airports and boarded four flights bound for California, chosen because the planes were loaded with fuel for the long transcontinental journey. Soon after takeoff, the terrorists commandeered the four planes and took the controls, transforming the ordinary commuter jets into guided missiles. As millions watched in horror, the events unfolded in New York. American Alliance Flight 77 circled over downtown Washington, D.C. and slammed into the west side of the Pentagon military headquarters at 9.45 a.m. Jet fuel from the Boeing 757 caused a devastating inferno that left, uh, led to a structural collapse of a portion of the giant concrete building. All told, 125 military personnel and civilians were killed in the Pentagon along with all 64 people aboard. Less than 15 minutes later, after the terrorists struck the uh, nerve center of the U.S. military, the horror in New York took a catastrophic turn for the worse when the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed in a massive cloud of dust and smoke. The structural steel of the skyscraper built to withstand winds in excess of 200 miles an hour and large conventional fire could not withstand the tremendous heat generated by the burning jet fuel. At 10.30 a.m., the other Trade Center tower collapsed, Close to 3,000 people died in the World Trade Center and its vicinity, including a staggering 343 firefighters and paramedics, 23 New York City police officers, and 37 Port Authority police officers who are struggling to complete an evacuation of the buildings and save the office workers trapped on higher floors. Only six people in the World Trade Center towers at the time of their collapse survived. Almost 10,000 other people were treated for injuries, many severe. Meanwhile, a fourth California-bound plane, United Flight 93, was hijacked about 40 minutes after leaving Newark International Airport. 
Because of the plane had been uh, delayed in taking off, passengers on board learned of the events in New York and Washington via cell phone and air phone calls to the ground. Knowing that the aircraft was not returning to the airport as the hijackers claimed, a group of passengers and flight attendants planned in an insurrection. One of the passengers, Thomas Burnett, told his wife over the phone that, I know we're all going to die. There's three of us who are going to do something about it. I love you, honey, he said. Wow. Another passenger, Todd Beamer, who had been saying, we are, are you ready, guys? Let's roll. Over an open line, Sandy Bradshaw, a flight attendant, called her husband and explained that she had slipped in the galley and was f- uh, filling pitchers with boiling water. Her last words to her husband were, everyone's running to the first class. I've got to go. Bye. Mm. The passengers fought the four hijackers and are suspected to have attacked the cockpit with a uh, fire extinguisher. The plane then flipped over and sped towards the ground at upwards of 500 miles an hour, crashing to the rural field in western Pennsylvania at 10.10 a.m. All 45 people aboard were killed, and intended large target is not known, but theories include the White House, the U.S. Capitol, Camp David, uh, which is the retreat of Maryland. At 7 a.m., President George W. Bush, who had spent the day being shuttled around in the country because of the security concerns, returned to the White House. At 9 p.m., he delivered a televised address from the Oval Office declaring that terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. In a reference to the eventual U.S. military response, he declared, we will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. Operation Enduring Freedom, the U.S.-led international effort to oust the Taliban regime in Afghanistan and destroy Osama bin Laden's terrorist network, based there, began on October the 7th, 2001. Bin Laden was later killed during a raid of his compound in Pakistan on 2000, May 2nd, 2011. The horror of it all, the senseless murder of thousands in the name of Islamic Jihad, the scars of 9-11 remain, but the spirit of America lives on, still under attack, even today, as we can see on the streets of many uh, many cities in the United States. Uh, By the way, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is traveling to Cater for the beginning of a long-stalled peace negotiation between the Taliban and Kabul. Uh, to end the uh, nearly two decades of Afghanistan war, President Trump announced uh, yesterday his comments came on the eve of the uh, anniversary of 9-11, of course. So it would be good to have uh, bring an end to this chapter of the American history. At a minimum, the United States has spent $1 trillion in American taxpayer funds in Afghanistan to bring this to an end. Uh, to close this chapter. But there's scars still remain in so many different ways. Well, let's talk about COVID-19. Only 25 new cases yesterday and one additional death. Uh, And again, these uh, deaths are suspicious to me because they died with COVID. They were exposed to COVID-19, perhaps even tested for it. But we know now that many of the tests are too sensitive for some uh, are uh, indicating some uh, virus, dead virus, that may be uh, on a person as opposed to having COVID-19. So... Uh, the new cases increased Cuyahoga uh, County's overall total to 12,096 new cases. The seven-day average for cases declined to 35, less than half of the seven-day average on August the 15th, which was 78, and of course, uh, way below the 221 cases average back on July the 13th. There are only 37 people in hospitals uh, right now with uh, COVID-19. Did you see the rally last night in uh, Freeland, Michigan? The crowd chanted, we love you, we love you, to the president. Uh, He said, hey, don't don't make me tear up here. I don't want to cry. So he called uh, for an end to the worst presidential candidate in history. He called Biden uh, the worst presidential candidate in history. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's in such a depleted mental state that his campaign is loading questions and answers on teleprompter during his interviews with liberal media reporters. It happened over and over again. Brett Baer asked Press Secretary uh, T.J. Ducklow to answer if that's true, that everyone was seeing what the, with their own eyes. J.T. Ducklow ducked and weaved but would not answer the question. So Joe Biden is using a teleprompter to answer questions. 
Uh, here's some good news. Small business optimism is back above the historical average following the end of the coronavirus surge over the summer, which has led to an increased earnings and job openings. The National Federation of Independent Business Optimism Index increased 1.4 points from July to 100.2 in August, slightly above the historical 46-year average. The group's survey also showed more firms looking to hire and more reporting higher earnings. This is all good news, isn't it? So uh, job growth continues to be strong in the manufacturing and construction injuries, for uh, example, but construction owners are having a particularly hard time finding skilled workers. The service sector is the main sector that is lagging due to coronavirus restrictions and is the key to stronger job growth in coming months. And uh, just close with this, of course, the first professional football game was played last night. Uh, folks booed when the players went arm in arm in a planned protest about their concerns politically and what's happening culturally in America. While American opinion, the sports industry has declined dramatically over the last year, plunging the sector deep into negative ter- territory, according to a new Gallup poll. No surprise there. We'll be talking about that a little bit more later in the show. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. company. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And again, the website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Byron Donald's candidate for Congress in District 19. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow with the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Look forward to your commentary. But before you do that, tell us about uh, the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. So uh, as a constitutional professional scholar, um, let's talk a little bit about the president has now given out his list of potential nominees for the Supreme Court. Uh, what are your thoughts? It's a great list. Um, I, I should note at the uh, note at the outset that uh, this week it was, I guess, a supplement to an existing list of 25 great jurists. Um, so this was uh, 20 on top of 25. So we've got a pool of 45 hmm. total candidates. Um, but some in this new list, great names: uh, Bridget Bade um, on the Ninth Circuit, James Ho on the Fifth Circuit. Those are committed conservative, you know, sound originalists. Um, Senators uh, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Josh Halley are on there. Um, Solicitors General, former Solicitors General Paul Clement, Noel Francisco are two brilliant legal minds. Um, It is, I guess, perhaps notable uh, to the uh, extent that Judge Naomi Rao, who who we've actually discussed a number of, of times in the context of the Michael Flynn, the ongoing Michael Flynn saga, um, but she was a Trump nominee um, and was confirmed to the uh, U.S. Court of, of Appeals for the District of Columbia. She's not on the list, and that's perhaps due to uh, 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 the, the gossip, I guess, is that uh, Senator Joni Ernst of, of Iowa objected to some of uh, Rao's writings in when she was in college, hmm. um, the, for, what, for whatever that's worth. But uh, I, I should note this. These lists, um, on the one hand, it's a fantastic list, and and these are great. There's a a number of great minds on the list who would make wonderful um, Supreme Court justices. On the other hand, we might take them with a grain of salt. Uh, I should note that uh, Justices uh, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, two fantastic Supreme Court justices, but they were not on the original list of 11 that Trump had issued Hmm. in 2016. So um, they appear to be flexible, (laughs) or at least uh, uh, history has suggested as much. But nevertheless, there are a lot of great minds on this list. Uh, Great to hear. Uh, And uh, that's been a kind of a consensus of the opinion. I will point out, though, that uh, polls are showing that uh, by far, uh, jurists' appointments uh, to the Supreme Court and to, the, to uh, other uh, appeals courts, to federal courts, are high in the list for voters, and it's very important to them right now. So, you know, the political aspect of this is I think he's reinforcing the fact that he will continue to do what he promised to do uh, before the 2016 election. There, you know, there's something to be said for sticking to your word, um, and that uh, well, we've spoken about that a number of times. Yeah. Um, Trump does appear to do that. I'll note this, however. I do, whereas I respect these minds, and uh, Trump has appointed more than 200 great judges to the federal bench during his, his four years in office, I do regret the extent to which now we, we do have these uh, dueling lists, if you will, on either side. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, pursuant to Article Three of the Constitution, we're supposed to have an independent judiciary, and that is important. Um, so I do, uh, uh, part of me uh, respects these minds and, and thinks they would make fantastic uh, judges or justices. Another part of me somewhat uh, regrets how political these matters have become, and I'll say this, it, these matters have become political because of the federalization of virtually every policy in this country. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's a different issue. Well, and I think in the past, we've, we've noted that some of the appointments have been political appointments just to grant, you know, to say thank you for what you've done for the country or support some sort of group that supports the candidate. I think right now that Trump is saying we're going to move away from that and just appoint great constitutionalists, great jurists, uh, t- uh, contextual text of the uh, Constitution. So to me, I think that's extremely, uh, that's a a move in the the right direction. So, uh, you know, I certainly agree with that committed constitution. Absolutely. So, uh, William, I want to also get your thoughts right now. The Senate uh, voted yesterday. They they did not pass uh, the slimmed down stimulus. The president says that by executive order, he's thinking about, he's mulling over 
using the money that hasn't been used up from the first stimulus to, to uh, create more unemployment and do something for you know the economy. What are your thoughts? Well, just a quick recap on what happened on Capitol Hill this week. Uh, Senate Republicans um, leadership had put forth before the Senate um, a sort of a skinny down version of, of even skinnier than what they had proposed a month ago, a trillion dollar uh, stimulus. This one was worth about $600 billion, of which $300 billion were pre, uh, repackaged funds from, from earlier bills. Mm. Um, but I actually applaud uh, the extent to which it's gotten smaller and smaller and, yeah. and cut out um, some of the fat. Uh, I'll note this. Uh, uh, Democrats, they passed a $3 trillion measure some months, months ago, and they're really drawing a line on the sand when it comes to bailing out uh, state and local governments. Uh, this, I just, I'll have to mention this. There was a New York Times article this week, I think it was Wednesday, and the headline was about the state budget crisis, and it was very much meant to, to lend impetus to the, the, the House Democrats' position here, that we need to bail out these states. The lead items in the article that were meant to impart this sense of crisis were, one, um, reduced funding for public broadcasting in Alaska, and the second anecdote, and again, these are the lead items, was reduced funding for a composting program in New York, um, which just it seems like the furthest thing from a crisis that one can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pleased that Republicans in the Senate sort of stuck to their guns on that one. Um, and and to the, when it comes to President Trump perhaps doing this stuff unilaterally, the, the sad fact of the matter is that Congress has delegated a tremendous amount of authority to Trump, um, virtually in every policy area. And, and it's sort of been the case when I, I hear about what he intends to do, and at face value I say, well, that's inconceivable. But then when I read the executive order, I come across the statutory provision, and it's, uh, it's by no means a slam dunk, but it's at least tenable. It's plausible. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't support the president taking such unilateral action in areas that really are, are, are the exclusive prerogative of Congress. Um, but I do bemoan the extent to which the president is able to take unilateral, yeah. unilateral action because Congress has given away so much of its power. Yeah, I just wonder as a practical matter, He, I, I believe he doesn't have the constitutional authority that Congress has the uh, power of the purse. But I do believe it would be, uh, on a practical level, I don't think anybody's going to challenge it. I think that would be political suicide <laughs> if they did. Likely so, yes, indeed. <laughs> William Yeatman, again, uh, constitutional scholar and uh, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with candidate for Congress, Byron Donalds. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden a broadcasting network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do 
you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on their board. I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, Right now we have with us Byron Donalds. He was victorious in, of course, the Republican primary for uh, candidate for Congress in District 19. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing, Bob? Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Byron. So uh, congratulations to you. I think it's uh, just really fantastic. And, of course, you got the president's support. He, he had this tweet, uh, Byron Donalds will be phenomenal congressman for the people of Florida. He strongly supports our brave law enforcement, school choice, military vets, and Second Amendment. Byron is a rising star. He has my complete and total endorsement. Congratulations, Byron. Listen, thank you, Bob. It's... um. You know, that tweet coming from the president um, really stopped me on my tracks yesterday. I got a chance. I was uh, moving faster with a couple of different uh, meetings and events. And, and when I saw it come, you know, come from the president's Twitter account, I was, I was really blown away. It's, it's, it's really an honor. It's definitely been surreal. Uh, this whole thing has been, actually, I got to tell you, it's, it's really humbling to know that, um, you know, so many people in Southwest Florida have chosen you to represent them in, in Congress in Washington. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm just honored uh, for their choice and their decision. Honored to have their support and honored to have the presidents as well. Absolutely, Byron. And uh, good luck on November the 3rd. Of course, you got my full support and uh, just look forward to seeing you serving after November the 3rd. So, uh, before I talk a little bit about what's happening with the president, uh, any thoughts or comments about uh, 9 11? Well, I mean, look, the first part is that we, we just we can never forget. You know, we can never forget and, and, and let our guard down about, you know, what happened, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, almost yeah. 20 years ago. Now. You know, we just can never take a step back and, and let our guard down as a nation. I think it's something that, you know, we, I remember that day. I was actually walking into business law class and it was kind of quiet. It's about this time, well, you know, probably about an hour from now, I'm walking into business law. And my professor had the video screens up, which he hardly ever does. And it was kind of grainy. It looked like there was like smoke yeah. coming out of some room. And I was like, what's he, what is it? I was like really looking at my uh, my notes because we were supposed to have a quiz that day in business law. And I'm like, look up at the screen. I'm like, what is this? And I noticed that half, most people are not in the room. Um, my professor's just standing there with his like hand over his face. Yeah. And then you, they kind of zoom back out, and you see it's the World Trade Center, and everything stops. Time stops. Yeah, you know, and we're, I was there watching the the, the towers fall um, on screen, you know. And I, I think at that point, you know, I, I always like I say, it, you know, the the nine twelve movement when it was formed, uh, which was akin to the Tea Party movement when it was formed, that group was formed in part because they wanted. Um, America to be one America like we were on 9-12. So 9-12, there wasn't Republicans and Democrats. There weren't liberals and conservatives. We were Americans, period. And I think that, you know, if we get anything out of the tragedy that was 9-11, it's it's trying to make sure as as a country we get back to that. Absolutely. back to being focused as one country, um, 
try to take care of our own issues internally. Of course, you know, there's always going to be issues internally, uh, but also making sure that we're still one country in spite of our differences because, you know, when when the enemy is truly not even at our gate, but, you know, in our in our front door, mm-hmm. it, it it brings a lot of perspective about what's what's really important and what's not. Yeah, and of course the the, the thought of being an American, of course, is under assault and continues to be under assault in the streets of Portland and other cities across the United States. So, uh, in, in different ways, the battle goes on. But uh, there is going to be some closure. Apparently, uh, the Secretary of State Pompeo is off to, uh, to cater to. Uh, to resolve and can finally clo- get closure on the war in Afghanistan, so which is a good thing. No, it, it is a very good thing. It's been our longest war. Um, you know, I think the president was right in his decision to, to bring the troops home and to and to end our our involvement over there. I mean, unfortunately, you know, if you look at the history of Afghanistan, there's always seems to be some level of conflict in that part of the world. Right. Um, but it, it's time for our troops to come up, and I think that the president's making the absolute right decision there. Absolutely. So, Byron, I mean, we're seeing these continued assaults, and I'm sure we're going to see many more between now and November the 3rd, uh, against the president, uh, calling him out for, you know, not supporting soldiers, for saying uh, uh, bad things about soldiers uh, in, in, in uh, France, and it just goes on and on. What are your thoughts? Well, first, my first thought is, is that, you know, you know, this story in the Atlantic, they don't even, they haven't even sourced right. They say they have anonymous sources, but then when you have two people on the record, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and John Bolton, they're ignored. Mm-hmm. This, that's, that's problem number one. You could tell this is gotcha journalism for a presidential election or for any political election. Right. Um, but John Bolton, who is clear, is no fan of the president, has strongly come out and said that, that those comments never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's number one. Then you you move to this situation on COVID-19 in the Bob Woodward book about how the president basically was saying he didn't want to really alert, alarm the American people and didn't think it was as deadly. But if you look at his actions, what the president actually did, even when he was talking to Bob Woodward, was stopping travel from China, stopping channel travel from Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the president's actions demonstrate how quickly he felt about and how strongly he felt about COVID-19 to prepare the nation. And even if you talk about to Dr. Fauci, um, who everybody swears up and down is like the number one uh, person to talk to about COVID-19, even Fauci has said that the president has always taken it seriously. The president has never dispatched anything just because he wanted to prove a point. He would listen to advisors, ask a ton of questions, and try to guide the nation as best as he could dealing with the pandemic response. So, you know, these, these, these uh, I don't want to call them October surprises because of of mail-in balloting and absentee balloting, they become September surprises. Mm-hmm. Like all these things are designed to do is to get voters distracted from the truth of the matter, which is Donald Trump has deserves four more years. He's led our country, not just on an international basis, not just bringing our troops home, making sure we have the strongest economy in the world, renegotiating trade deals. Um, he has reformed many systems of government, whether it's the VA or criminal justice. He's actually made sure we are in energy independent by getting rid of bad policy from the Obama era and before. Um, he has actually kept the promises and done the things he's ran. And oh, by the way, he built a wall. About four hundred miles will be done by the end by by the end of his first term. He's going to get a second. So, if you want to, for me, all they're trying to do is just distract, dissemble, uh, create issues, create innuendo with no facts. That's that's exactly what the left is doing. And, well, and of course, I think they're they're sh- uh, shooting all these bullets right now, and or uh, creating these surprises early because, uh, as President Trump pointed out yesterday in his rally, uh, Biden is such a he's the worst candidate in American history. <laughs> Donald Trump. <so. laughs> I mean, he's up there. I don't know if I'll put him at George McGovern level, but Joe <laughs> Biden's definitely up there. I mean, but look, here, here's the deal. The reality is that we know that political campaigns are marketing. Yeah. And so they're, what they're trying to market is a president who, what the Democrats are trying to do is paint the president as somebody with no empathy and no, abil- no empathy for the people and no ability to lead. And in some respects, who would choose his own personal aggrandizement over the lives of Americans. That's just simply not true. Yeah. That's just, it's just a lie. And it, that's why I always say, you know, even when I'm dealing with my Democrat opponent down here locally, when she was saying how, oh, Donald Trump has failed on, on, on COVID-19, uh, pandemic response. My question to her was, you said he failed, but what did he do wrong? Please lay out the facts. And she had no facts. Yeah. 
So then when I laid out the facts about what the president actually has done, when I laid out the facts about what Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, trust me, they're not conservative Republicans, yeah. has said about the president's leadership on COVID-19 before the Democrat Party got a hold of them to change the messaging, um, it was clear the president was doing the right thing. So, you know, I think, you know, as a Republican, my job in Southwest Florida is to make sure that the record is clear on what the president has actually done, to make sure that the left does not get away with just smearing people uh, with, with images and innuendo and, and fear and emotions. And we get down to the facts, because when the election is over, Bob, and we elect the next president of the United States, what you feel is going to be irrelevant. What they're going to do is going to be the only thing that matters. Absolutely. And, you know, the president doesn't let any grass grow on any issue. Once he gets started and, and, and focuses on it, things get done. And I, I just really respect that about him. So well said, Byron. I just point out to our uh, listeners that uh, what you're hearing now is the next uh, congressman that's going to represent us here in District 19. I think you're going to be the guy that's being uh, tapped by uh, media outlets across the country to uh, talk about the issues of the day once you're up there in Washington, D.C. I think you're going to really represent us proudly. Now, you have a debate, if I'm not mistaken, coming up with your opponent, and I, I think that's really critical for people to see you in juxtaposition to the candidate that's running against you. I think it'll just reinforce uh, what you bring to the table. Do, do you recall when that is? I don't. I'm sorry. I really don't remember <laughs> when the debates are. Uh, but, Bob, I'll definitely make sure you know. But I think for the listeners, it's important to understand my opponent is out of the AOC wing of the Democrat Party. Yeah. Let me be very clear on this. She's not a moderate Democrat. She is out of the AOC wing of the Democrat Party. Yeah. And so it's important. The reason why I've, I've agreed to debate her is, number one, I, I do think debate is critical for the political process. But number two, it's important for the voters to understand who's actually on their ballot. Yeah. Don't just fall in love with an R or a D because you're a, a registered Democrat or a registered Republican or you're an MPA and you lean Republican anyway. It's, it's more than that. You need to actually know who's on your ballot. This is the reason why I've agreed to debate her. And I think when you know, people see who really don't know what they're, who they're voting for for Congress, when they see what is on, um, when they see who, frankly, is trying to represent them, I think the choice will be actually crystal clear. Absolutely. Um, so there are going to be several debates. I'll make sure you have the, the, the dates for them. And I just hope that your listeners and many other people in Southwest Florida watch them and share the message with your friend. Be like, listen, I saw Byron Donald's debate, his opponent. Like, this is not even a question. Yeah. Like, I know you're a Democrat, but are, seriously, this is not even a question. Like, he's way better. Yeah. So. And and be sure to vote for sure. Uh, again, Byron, I just make sure you vote. <laughs> just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. ByronDonalds.com is the website. Uh, money is the mother milk of politics, so support Byron. ByronDonalds.com. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. You have a wonderful day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny. She's the author of Where Should We Eat? We'll do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House 
House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Sharon Kenny. She wrote a book called Where Should We Eat? She also writes commentary on travel, dining, and entertainment. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good, good morning. Good morning, Sharon. So uh, it sounds like uh, bars are starting to open up. Yes, good news. Good news. Governor, Governor DeSantis uh, announced uh, that we will, on Monday, bars will be open 50%. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to drink 50% of what you were normally drinking. <laughs> But, you know, it's just so interesting, this whole process. I mean, we're seeing cases in County drop, you know, precipitously. It's just really great news. Now, this virus is going to have a mind of its own. And, of course, on August the 31st, schools opened. And a lot of expectation that we're going to see a big increase in cases. But it just hasn't happened, which is great. Yeah, that's really good news, isn't it? Uh, so the bars will be open 50% capacity. Um, bars were a problem, and so they opened and closed. I don't know, what were they open for, about a week? I think back in July, before mm-hmm. they saw a spike. Um, bars have, uh, his, well, I don't want to say historically, but the problem with bars is that people uh, tend to uh, shout and uh, be animated and... Uh, Congregate. Uh, the, the virus transmits through droplets, through aerosol, right. and, uh, you know, through people talking and yelling and singing, and, uh, you know, and your inhibitions and your judgment tends to, to lessen the more you drink, so bars have been a problem, but I guess uh, the numbers are, are showing that we can, we can open that much, and I think that the rules will probably be still the same, that you have to be seated, yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't gotten the details, but I think the rules will probably be the same as they are for restaurants, where you have to be seated with, and you can have your mask off. But if you're moving, you got to keep your mask on. Yeah, I talked to one owner of a bar before they closed, <laughs> and he said, "I looked and I said, boy, it looks like they're having a good time in there.' I was talking about. I was in the restaurant part of the uh, uh, of the restaurant, and uh, the owner said, "Well, they're they're virtually distancing." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but by nature, alcohol tends to cloud one's judgment yeah. and uh, probably distance as well. That's right. Hey, so you are a big uh, football fan, and I know that uh, you love the Dolphins and you support the Dolphins. A professional football started last night. Any comments? Well, it was great to see. It was it was kind of uh, surreal to turn on the TV and actually see live football again, mm-hmm. uh, which on a Thursday night, which was just terrific. Kansas. Uh, beat the Houston Texans, I think it was like 30 to 20 or something. I can't remember the right, exact score. Right. So um, that was great to see. So the Dolphins start, I believe it's September 20th. Uh, Hartford, is it they're playing? Uh, they're, uh, they're playing. The, they're called the Patriots. the Patriots, the New England Patriots, yes. <laughs> yes, the New England Patriots, and um, which is their typical uh, first season game, yeah. the first game of the season. And... Uh, Miami uh, Stadium, the Hard Rock Stadium, is actually going to be one of the stadiums in the country that will be allowing fans in the seats. And as a longtime owner of a uh, couple of seats in the stadium, we have our seats booked. So we will be part of that historical group that will be in stands for a football game this year. Well, congratulations. I, I just point out, yesterday I did not watch any of the game. And I think it's just uh, the uh, politicalization of this p- entire process has just dampened my enthusiasm for professional sports. And I'm just one of those that is <laughs> beginning to do other things besides watch sports. As much as I enjoy, you know, professional football should be a distraction. We all have... 
uh, as I heard somebody say, well, we all have 83 problems except for the one person that has 84. <laughs> and the 84th per, uh, per concern is the person thinks he shouldn't have 83 problems. So the point is that we ha- all live our lives. Life is challenging. We all have problems. I think of professional sports as a distraction. It's a way to get away from uh, those uh, problems, if you will. And uh, now, you know what? I think the this wanting to speak out on political issues you know, they should stay in their lane and just do what they do best, which is being the best athletes in the world. Well, I think you're missing out on a lot of fun, Bob. It's really <laughs> been a great season for sports, and I know you're a baseball fan. Have you made the same decision about baseball? Yes, I have. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I can't, can't help myself. On occasion, I'll watch an, I liked, I watched an inning or two of the Red Sox game yesterday. But, uh, uh. yeah, still, still um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that, well, you know what? I'm not alone. American opinion of sports industries declined dramatically over the last year. Uh, the Gallup poll is, is showing that uh, people just are really turned it off. In fact, what did I read? 87% of people think that uh, the, the expression of not st- or not standing up for the or uh, for the uh, national anthem is is wrong. So people are, I think, uh, they're going to vote with their feet. I don't think they're going to be watching sports as much. Well, I think it's a different issue as well. I think that something with this pandemic that has been uh, we have seen as a psychological uh, formation of habits that people are um, told one thing and things get taken away from them. You see it with the restaurants and going out. Um, even once the restaurants started, there are a lot of people who are not leaving their houses. And it has to do with um, people forming a habit of not going out. And so then suddenly when that option comes back, they, it's hard for them to change. Yeah. Uh, people don't change very easily. And so having something taken away from you after a while, you just find you find other things to take that space and so i think that it's going to take a while if ever that america will get back into the way it was because we have formed other habits yeah i agree with that Uh, absolutely so it's had an impact on our lives for sure and uh, one of the things i really covet and appreciate is the opportunity to do this show and have you on the show as a guest to share and so i just genuinely appreciate your your joining us this morning Great to talk to you, and maybe we'll meet in a bar on Monday. <laughs> okay, thank you, Sharon. show from a bar, Bob. There you go. Thank you, Sharon. All right, coming up, Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil on Our Doorstep, writing about the travails of dealing with union bosses over the course of two and a half years. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. With all the threats to faith, family, and freedom, Christian Television Network, the Faith Center Fort Myers, and Florida Pastors Network invite you to Healing Our Nation Tuesday, September 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. for a free panel discussion on engaging and impacting culture with a biblical worldview. Distinguished national guest Bishop E.W. Jackson, founder of Stand Foundation, staying true to America's national destiny. John Stenberger, founder of Florida Family Policy Council and called to vote, Along with historian and best-selling author, Dr. William Fenn, equip you to effectively respond to the moral and social issues impacting our community. Join us live on television September 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. on CTN Southwest Florida or live streaming at ctntelevision.com or in person at the Faith Center. Details, ctntelevision.com. 
That's ctntelevision.com. Or call 239-543-7200. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can visit a very robust website right now at golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Dave Beagle, as I mentioned before the break. He's the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, an important book because it talks about the travails of dealing with the dirty tricks from union bosses over the course of two and a half years. Uh, they wanted him to just uh, sign a neutrality agreement, which sounds uh, not so important, but it basically would have given the right to uh, union bosses to go sign up his employees. And once they got to 50% plus one, well, you know what? They'd be unionized. Dave said, nope, if we're going to unionize this shop, you're going to have to do it by secret ballot. And the dirty trick started and got worse and worse and worse, uh, t- making attacks against his customers, against his employees, against uh, in the public and the paper. Papers, but he prevailed, and uh, they left like rats on a sinking ship, and uh, he wrote a book about it. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, uh, Bob, for having me on, and people should read my book because all the taxes we're seeing today uh, on the streets across the country and against the president and uh, uh, others and that are the same tactics that uh, they use against me, riots in the streets and everything else. And, yeah. Uh, they understand, they read my book, they understand who's behind all this because it's part of what's going on in this political process leading up to the election. And uh, the unions are big time behind this, especially the SCIU, the union that we fought. And um, the, um, the interesting thing about it is is that, uh, you know, back 2016, the unions combined uh, spent about $100 million to back Hillary Clinton. But it's much, much more this uh, election process, and already the SCIU alone has pledged to spend $150 million to elect the Democratic candidate. Mm. Well, and of course, uh, Joe Biden says he's a, he supports uh, labor, but he any, it's anything but he wants to get rid of a right to work, which is basically freed up economic activity. It's been great for the economy. And of course, right to work basically means you don't have to join the union if you don't want to when you're working in a union shop. Well, he wants to get rid of that. Well, yeah, and the unions are behind all that because they're trying to get uh, right to work uh, uh, canceled all across the country. And, um, you know, of course, with the money they're paying to Biden, of course, the teachers unions are paying a bunch of it, too. And uh, uh, this is all a plot to bring down this country and turn us into a socialist, communist country. $150 $150 million, and if I just to add on to that, that uh, George Soros-funded uh, organizations are providing six-figure donations uh, to fund things like uh, Black Lives Matter and so forth. So it's there's a lot of money behind this. Yes, there is, and people need to understand this. These are not people who care about this country. It's all about themselves. And uh, one of the things that in some of the articles I've written uh, or read uh, recently and are in my newsletter that's going out today is that uh, the unions need to wake up and quit spending their money on politics and uh, get back to doing what they did uh, years ago, and that's take care of the people with the dues money instead of using the dues money for politics. Couldn't agree more, but I don't think that's going to happen because there's... (laughs) And, of course, union activity, union membership has declined substantially in the last 30 years. And uh, with good reason, because uh, there are some unions that provide value, but unions like SEIU don't provide value to their membership. They simply are a political machine for the Democrat Party. Well, that's right. Forty-five percent of union dues go to uh, politics, and 95 percent goes to the Democratic Party. And, um, you know, another article that will be in my newsletter going out today is that uh, union membership resumes its decline, and... um, and whether it's across the nation, Illinois, or just in Chicago, union membership has declined since 2017 after a few years of relatively stability, according to a study release. Um, and they said the decline was largely due to dips in unionized ranks and public sector jobs, a traditional labor stronghold, and, um, you know, um, in, in other areas. So it has continued to go downhill. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, and now we're seeing more and more political activity in professional sports, which really dampens my enthusiasm for watching professional sports like professional football and baseball. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's sad. And people I talk to all the time and uh, other programs I've been on, you know, I'm just hearing that people really don't want to watch professional sports anymore because of uh, what's going on and what these players are saying and uh, what the um, the owners are doing, you know, putting these big Black Lives Matters uh, logos on their floors and fields and uh, all the other stuff that's going on. And, um, you know, it's, uh, and again, Bob, we're coming back to the unions because if you think about it, all these players, even they, they make such great money, mm-hmm. uh, they've been brainwashed and uh, they are union members and controlled by the unions to go out and say the things they're doing and force these uh, owners of all these um, sports uh, across the country to put these things on their stadiums and the floors and fields and all that. Quite frankly, I just am amazed at the owners cooperating with this because I think it's uh, financial suicide. If if people aren't watching it on television, if if people feel like I feel, and I think a lot of people do, uh, we're going to see viewership decline. We're going to see attendance decline. It's going to drain the uh, financial income. To uh, to me, Dave, why can't they just? They're the greatest athletes in the world in their professional sport. Why can't they just stay in their lane and do what they're paid to do? Well, because uh, you, you got to understand, Bob, and this is what happens behind the scenes. These union bosses get in their minds and brainwash them about this stuff, and uh, and they control them. Even though these, you know, yeah, think about it. All these sports players, yeah, they went to college, most of them, and that, and but they're making a lot of money, and they really have not had to go out and, and use their thought pattern to do much in in the, in the regular free market society. And, but they're getting paid all this money. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it is the unions are going in and they're intimidating the owners and saying, you better do this or we're going to really uh, come after you and attack you and, you know, all things that the SEAU did against us. Yeah. And this is what's going on in America today. And that's why a lot of people, I, I have friends and other people that they just say, we don't even want to turn the TV on anymore and watch this stuff. Yeah, well, it's uh, you're making some good points, though. There is a there's all this pressure. It's not subtle at all. They really mean and uh, putting pressure on the owners to to do that. I'm just amazed. The I've forgotten his uh, his name now, but the head of the NFL, he's just in love with this concept. So, um, yeah, well, he's being intimidated behind the scenes, and uh, you know, he doesn't want to. Uh, uh, to fight him in that he doesn't have the backbone and uh you know because uh, all the threats they're going to make against him and everything else yeah um and uh, it's sad and america needs to wake up and stand up yeah yeah i'm th- happy you made that point uh well yeah and by the way it looks like uh, uh there's a standoff on the coronavirus bill uh democrats don't want to cooperate and uh the the senate passed a bill or tried to pass a bill yesterday at least they got their votes on record uh, when they're going out to campaign for their seats in uh, november any thoughts on that well it doesn't surprise me because i think this coronavirus is uh is part of this election process uh it's way overblown and they're just using it to bring down the president and the senate couldn't agree more. Dave Beagle, again, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It's a great read. I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. You can't believe that human beings can behave in the way that they behaved in trying to attack Dave and his business, unless, of course, you watch the uh, the uh, the, the uh, Senate uh, meeting about the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. I mean, that was then you can understand how these people can behave. In any event, uh, the Devil at Our Doorstep. The website is thedevilatourdoorstep.com. Get a copy of the book there. Also on my website at a nice discount, bobhardnett.com uh, as well. Dave, always appreciate your well-informed commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, and I just wanted to make one more comment. I met a uh, police officer yesterday and had a conversation with him about all this stuff, and he agreed with me 100%, and uh, I said, well, I pray for you uh, uh, policemen all across the country because the attacks are going on. Yep. And um, and he says, well, Dave, after after I told him all about this stuff, he says, I'm, I agree with you 100%. He says, and uh, I and uh, he 
she wants a copy of my book. <laughs> so yeah. I, I signed a copy and gave it to him, and I said, I'm praying for you guys across the country. Great sentiment to end the show with. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Have a good day. You as well. Thank you. Uh, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Uh, also, send out a newsletter after each show. You can uh, get on the list, subscribe to that as well. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. On Monday, we're going to visit Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We've been talking about current world events. Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, will be with us, as well as Jim McTagg, former Washington, Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.